Welcome to the City Pentecostal Church Sermon of the Week. Coming up today... The opportunity for a brand new, fresh start. And folks, deepening our roots is about saying, it doesn't matter what it looks like where I am today. Good, bad, or indifferent. It doesn't matter. Today's a day of new beginning. I can start fresh today. I can choose to do it right now. I can choose to be a follower of Jesus. I can choose to deepen my roots into the soil of discipleship so that I am consistently and constantly becoming transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. Pastor Harlan Purdy returns to the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, for the second and final installment of the sermon titled, Deepening Our Roots. Did you have a great week? How much deeper did your roots go? Much deeper. How many will say... They just went, they went deeper. I don't know if it was much deeper, a little deeper, or maybe just started to think about going deeper, but deeper. You're not committing this morning. I must be, I must be missing somewhere. God is good, amen? Deepening our roots. We talked last week, and I'm going to ask if they'll just move on to the next slide, because I want to give you a little bit of a picture of what we talked about last week. We, we, we talked based on what Isaiah the prophet is, is talking about in chapter 61, how he looks down the corridor of time for himself, and then Jesus picks up this passage of Isaiah 61 and uses it as the declaration of what his mission, his ministry, and really a a definition, if you will, of what the mission of the church would be throughout the ages to come. And it's about the planting of God. We are the planting of the Lord. It answers the question, who am I? Well, I am the planting of the Lord. You are the planting of of the Lord. The City Pentecostal Church is the planting of the Lord. Every congregation that honors the Lordship of Jesus Christ is the planting of the Lord. It doesn't matter if it's on the continent of Africa, if it's in the Western world, if it's in the first world, the second world, the third world, or the outer world. It's the planting of the Lord. No human being is a mistake Every human being has a divine purpose. Now, not every human being is pursuing that. We need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ for us to be able to begin that journey. But my trust and my prayer is that everyone here this morning has begun that journey. If you are here worshiping with us today and you have not committed your life to Jesus Christ, then today's the day for you to begin the journey of following Him. Amen? Amen. That's who I am. We are planted to be oaks of righteousness. That's what I am. Or what I do. How I behave. How I conduct my life. As a follower of Jesus, I am pursuing a life of righteousness. Have I finally arrived? Well, that was weak. Have I finally arrived? 
I think you're much more convinced of it than that. Have I finally arrived? You're just being kind, I know. Have you finally arrived? No one has finally arrived. But we're on our way. And, and, and the, the measure of discipleship is, is that I am moving along. That I'm further down that road this week than I was last week. I'm further down that road this month than I was last month. This year than I was last year. I'm further along. I'm moving forward. Now, I don't know about you, but this journey is like most journeys. There are times when it seems to move very far, very fast. And then there are times when the progress seems to be like walking through quicksand. Anybody with me? But we're on the journey. And if we look back, we can see that, that life has been changing, that, that the Holy Spirit has been enabling us to become more like Jesus as we serve Him and as we walk with Him. Why is that important? Well, because in so doing, we display the glory of God. That's what I do. That's the purpose of our life. That's the purpose for humanity. That's the purpose for every nation on earth, for every tribe, for every language group. That's the purpose for, for every continent. It's the purpose for every individual. It's the purpose for every family. It's the purpose for every village. It's the purpose for every city. That they would reflect the glory of God. When God created human beings, He created them to display His glory. And as we walk in righteousness, we display before all of creation the glory of God. We show people what God is like. That's why it's so important that we pay attention to righteousness and we, we strive to grow in the way that we follow Jesus as our example. And all of this happens as the Holy Spirit enables us. I do not have the ability to even know what is right, let alone do what is right. It's the task and the work of the Holy Spirit to teach me and to lead me and to help me to grow in that. So that's where we've been. So let's stand again as we look at our text in Isaiah chapter 61 because we want to look at verse number 4 this morning with a little bit more detail. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His glory. 
They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. Father, let your word touch our lives today. Help us to hear what it is that Holy Spirit is saying to us. Help us to to take it in and to allow it to become the, the, the fuel, the fertilizer for our root system. Holy Spirit, will, will you be that, that amazing laborer who was in the garden when, when the master came and, and wanted to tear down the tree and, and he said, no, no, master, give me just one more year. Let me, let me work with it. Let me t- take and, and, and soften up the soil and put in the fertilizer and, and next year if it has no fruit, then, then we'll talk about taking it down. Lord, May the Holy Spirit be the one who softens the soil around our root system and causes the fertilizer of your word and your, your presence and your life to flow into our root system so that they will begin to pierce their way deeper and deeper into the soil and broader and broader so that our, our tree will stand tall and strong and its fruit will be refreshing and it will, it will give life to all of those who would, who would take of it and that we might, in a wonderful, amazing way, in 2017, display your glory here in the city of Blantyre. For the name and glory and honor of Jesus, we pray and ask it. Amen and amen. You may be seated. See, deepening our roots is really about change. And change is never easy. Uh, An unknown author once wrote, In order to change, we must be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Have you ever been there? Uh, And I don't mean sick and tired. I, I know we've all been there. But have you ever been sick and tired of being sick and tired? Well, it's kind of reaching that point in our life where we are unsatisfied with where we are at the moment. It's, It's only then that we will begin to allow ourselves to consider change. Maybe for some of us, the prayer we need to pray is, Holy Spirit, just make me sick and tired of the status quo. Because we can get very comfortable in our comfort. We can get very settled in the way things are. You know, I mean, they're not all that bad. You know, I haven't robbed anybody this week. I, 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 you know, I, I haven't committed murder in, in, a, in a month or two. I, it's, you know, things aren't all that bad. I look at the newspaper and I read the headlines and my name isn't underneath of any of them. So things aren't all that bad. I... Then we can get very comfortable in the fact that we're, we're not like them. But are we like Him? See, that's, that's where our measuring stick needs to go. Not them, but Him. And I can confess that whenever I put Him in the place of being my measuring stick, 
I'll always bow my head in shame. I, I always need to pray, Lord, forgive me and Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. There's a journey I need to take. Deepening our roots is, is about what the writer to the Hebrews calls laying aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. It requires change. And change is hard. So our text, the idea of deepening our roots, is about change in the direction of Christ-likeness. The generation that would return to Judah that was the address of, of Isaiah were leaving the Babylonian captivity and they would need to create change. They would need to create change while feeling the brunt of change within themselves. Their entire life had been lived in the land of Babylon. They were in a different culture. They were aliens in a strange land. They, they knew how to be foreigners, but they didn't know how to be a refugee. They, they didn't know how to be a returnee. They, they, they knew how to be someone who was out of place, but they did not know how to come and be themselves. They knew how to farm, they knew how to do business, all of those things in the Babylonian context, but they didn't know how to do that when what stretched out before them was a pile of rubble. It was all new, and they were going to need to change. They were back dwelling amid the rubble, away from the fertile land of Babylon. How much like us were they today we we live amid the conditions that are the result of decades of choices i've said it before and i'll say it probably many many times in the future and i'm going to say it at least once today where you are right now is the result of a series of choices that you've made in the past where your family is right now is the result of choices that have been made within that family context for the past decades. Where, where we are as a city is the result of decisions that have been made over a period of time. Where we are as a nation, where we are as a world is the result of choices that have been made. And the only way that things change is if choices change. If you choose to keep doing the same thing the same way, you're going to get the same result. The returnees stood before their pile of rubble. They had a choice. They could see an insurmountable obstacle and an impossible task. Or... They could see a wonderful, amazing opportunity. The opportunity for a brand new, fresh start. And folks, deepening our roots is about saying, it doesn't matter what it looks like where I am today. Good, bad, or indifferent. It doesn't matter. Today's a day of new beginning. I can start fresh today. 
I can choose to do it right now. I can choose to be a follower of Jesus. I can choose to deepen my roots into the soil of discipleship so that I am consistently and constantly becoming transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. God's glory is revealed when what Isaiah talks about in verse number 4 takes place. God's glory is displayed when ancient ruins are rebuilt, when the devastated is raised up, when ruined homes are repaired. God's glory is displayed then because only God can do that. Sin doesn't do that. Sin always destroys Wickedness, unrighteousness always tears down. Proverbs 14 and 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach on any people. That's the reality. Jesus said that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Over time... Sin always produces decay, devastation, ruin, poverty, disease, unrest, captivity, and every kind of negative outcome that we could name. A people fall into ruin when they pursue sin. When selfishness reigns supreme, when pride rules in the hearts of a people, they are headed to ruin. Now, it may not happen overnight. In fact, its early stages may look like great success. But in time, the house that gets built will come crumbling down. And a pile of rubble lies at one's feet. For the Jewish returnees, it lay before them as a literal pile of rubble. For us as a nation, it perhaps doesn't lie before us as a literal pile of rubble, but we can only describe the national condition that we see before us as not very good. And I'm not going to take the time to express any of it. We're all very much aware of the poverty. We're very much aware of the hunger. We're aware of injustice. We're aware of the things that that surround us. Now, let me say this. Malawi is not necessarily any worse off than anywhere else. We live in Malawi, so we're much more sensitized to the conditions in Malawi. But let me tell you, corruption, these kinds of things are worldwide problems. Back in Canada, there are children that sleep on the streets. So it's not just here. But we're here. So let's us pay attention to here because this is, this is our place. This is our responsibility. God planted us here in Blantyre, not in Toronto, Canada. 
If we were in Toronto, we'd have to deal with Toronto. And Bubba, I don't know. How many of you remember the recent mayor of Toronto? Did any of you see him on the news? Yeah, well, okay. So problems in politics, just they, they're, they're, they're universal, right? Okay, so we don't have to take and hang our head and say, oh, well, you know, it's so bad around here. And any time somebody says, oh, well, you know, it's, it's Africa, you throw a rock at them. You tell them, it's, you tell them it's not just Africa, it's the world. Wherever human sin is, this stuff is. It might get hidden better some places than here, but I, don't you let anybody throw rotten tomatoes at us because we live in Malawi. We're, we're no worse off. Okay, let me, let me get off my bandwagon here. God's glory is displayed when these effects of sin are removed and replaced with the blessing of God. When, when they are replaced with the awareness of God's presence. When, when they are replaced by decision makers who are endeavoring to pursue righteous choices and righteous decisions when when the governance when the way that business is done the way that that families work together the way that communities operate the way the health system works all of these things when 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 the decision makers when those who are in places of influence are moving them towards wholeness god's glory is displayed it's as though the pile of rubble or the pile of darkness is, is being pushed back and, and the light of God's glory is, is creeping through all of the cracks and beginning to shine brightly. When the devastation is raised up, devastation re- refers to sin's effect on, on people, on individuals. Because you see, individuals as well as nations are destroyed by sin. Fear, worry, hopelessness, anger, a sense of lostness, even, even sickness. It's amazing what, what medical science is discovering. They're, they're discovering a, a, such a close tie between, between the, the, the psyche of individuals and their physical being that, that when, when, we, when we walk around with unforgiveness in our heart, it causes a chemical reaction that produces disease. And I'm not going to go into a lot of explanation of that, but you can do some research on it. it. It's really quite interesting as to how this works. God knew. He created us that righteousness produced wholeness and sin produced the loss of wholeness. And so individuals, their lives are are wrecked by sin. God's glory is displayed when an individual is set free from the power of sin and from its deadly effects in their life. When the person who has lived in fear begins to walk in hope and faith and trust and confidence. When, when, the, when, the, when the head that always seems to be hanging down and looking to the ground all of a sudden lifts up and the shoulders roll back and the person looks in the mirror and says, Hey, luck out world, I'm here. 
Holy Spirit and me are coming out of this house today and you'd better let out because we're coming your way. And where we walk, the power of God walks. And you'd better just let out because we're coming. So that's, that's, that's what the power of God released in our lives can produce. That we walk with an awareness that we don't walk alone. That we walk with the hand of God upon our lives. This is what Jesus came to do in John 10.10, and you probably can all quote it for me. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. God's glory is displayed when, when those individuals whose lives have been devastated by sin all of a sudden are walking in abundant life. There's joy filling their hearts. There's hope reigning in their lives. Ruined homes are repaired according to our text. Perhaps one of the most hideous things that sin does is to destroy families. A house is a house. But it becomes a home when a family dwells there. And it's a happy home when the family dwells there with abundant life. I don't need to voice the litany of destructive effects that sin brings to a family. Divorce, lost trust, financial ruin, these and a multitude of things come to a family as sin is allowed to grow and to take its place at the table. God's glory is displayed when families are rescued from the ruin of sin, when the grace of Christ that passes all understanding begins to restore the family. I have watched with absolute amazement as divorced couples remarry because they found Christ and and the love of Christ began to fill their heart and that love of Christ began to fill their heart not only for the Lord but also for each other and families were restored. I have watched as trust burst back into the life of a family where trust had been so destroyed by gambling, by unfaithfulness, by lying, by so many of the things that destroy trust. And little by little, the grace of God at work in the lives of, of that couple and those children began to rebuild trust. And I have watched with absolute wonder and amazement. I've, I've heard neighbors say, don't know what's going on over there, but boy, things are sure different now than they were a couple of years ago. That's the display of the glory of God when a home is rebuilt, when a house stops being a house and it becomes a home. The dwelling place of people that are walking together in love and in grace. Basically what Isaiah says is this. It stops here and it stops now. Uh, who, who among us would argue that the status quo was good? Anybody voting for the status quo? 
I'm going to put my hand down because I'm not voting for it. And that's, and, and, and that's a universal reality. I'm not voting for the status quo in Canada. I'm not voting for the status quo in the United States. I'm not voting for the status quo in Europe. I'm not voting for the status quo in China. I'm, I'm not voting for the status quo in our world. Our world needs to see change. Who would suggest that all is well? in our world today? No one. I certainly wouldn't. Who would not agree that change is better? Now, it has to be change in the right direction. Change for the good. So then, when? When? Tomorrow? I've discovered something about tomorrow. It never comes. As we sit here right now, tomorrow is going to click at midnight. But you know what's going to happen? As soon as midnight comes, it's today. And tomorrow is 24 hours away. And it'll get closer and closer and closer until it's one second away. And then that one second will pass and boom, it's gone. It's it's today. Tomorrow never comes. We can't, we can't go back, so now. Hillel, who was a prominent Jewish rabbi who was born in Babylon, believe it or not, around the year of 110 B.C., and he died in Jerusalem around 10 B.C. He is probably best known for being the author of two sayings, and I'll I'll give them to you because you might recognize them. If I am not for myself, who is for me? And being for my own self, what am I? And if not now, when? The second one is probably much better known. It's sometimes referred to as the golden rule. That which is hateful to you do not do to your fellow. That is the whole Torah. The rest is the explanation. Go and learn. He he gives the golden rule in the negative rather than in the positive. He's best known for this statement. Not now, when. If not now, when. Uh, Perhaps a a, a bit more contemporary uh, use of that term is in one of the presidential speeches by Ronald Reagan. He said, if not us, who? If not now, when? Well, let me ask you. If not us, who? If not now, when? Stops now. The devastation of unrighteousness must end. It has to end, and it won't just end on its own. It will end only when people like you and I rise up and say, enough. It will only only end when you and I decide that it's not going to go unchallenged anymore. So if not us, who? Well, I'm going to be... Not a member of the great band, but I'm going to be a member of the who. I'm going to be one of the who. When they ask who, 
I'm signing up. I'm saying, well, I don't know who else but me. Now is when it stops. Now the roots go deeper and righteousness will be displayed. Our text talks about many generations. Isaiah basically says that the condition that that is being described and is being discovered is a condition that is the result of the actions of many generations. We didn't just get here. We didn't just get here. Decades, generations lie behind where we are. It's a generational trend. Not a generational curse, just a generational trend. You see, one generation trains the next. Now, you can all see the color of my hair. Just so you'll know, I am prematurely white. I'm like my, I'm like my uncle who was completely white like I am at age 19. I've now been completely white for about uh, 16 or 17 years. So you can add that to the 19 and you'll get my age. <laughs> but here's something that I, that I am aware of. Is that there are, there are generations behind me. Now there are about two generations behind me. Because truth be told, I've passed some magical numbers. My next birthday, I'm going to be two-thirds of a really nasty number. (laughs) I will be 66 in just a few months. So there are at least two generations, if we consider a generation to be 20, 25 years, behind me. And they're learning from me. Had a very scary thing happen to me oh, a, long, a long time ago. Someone came to me that I hardly even knew. And they said to me, Harlan, I've been watching you for a long time now. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh. I've been watching you for a long time. There are people watching you. There's a generation behind you that's watching you. You watch the generation before you. And perhaps the generation before that. You've been learning from the generations that have preceded you. We, As generations, we teach those who come behind us. Will we wait for centuries of generations for a generation to rise up and say, we, we will lead the following generations in righteousness? If not now, when? If not us, who? Let's be the generation that decides. 
And I know most of you here are not in my generation. I, I won't, no, I won't do this, but I, I, I was tempted to, to ask if, 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 if you're 50 plus to stand, but I won't, I won't do Because the ladies would all speak to me afterwards. <laughs> because either I will have disclosed something that they want to keep secret or I force them to lie. <laughs> and, and, and in neither case will they be happy. So, don't stand. But if you're over 50, you're kind of in my generation. If you're between 25 and 40, you're in the next generation. If you're under 25, you're in the, the third generation. We've got about three generations here in this room right now. I'm, I'm calling on my generation. Let's be the generation that, that changes things. Let's be the generation that stands up before these other two generations and say, this is what righteousness looks like. I challenge the generation behind us. Will you stand up and say, we don't care what you're doing. We're going to be the generation of righteousness. We're going to learn righteousness and we're going to practice righteousness. We're going to walk in it. And if your generation can't get it right, we will. And we'll show the generation behind us. And if you're the third generation, you decide irrespective of what the two generations ahead of you do, you be the generation that says, we're the who. We're the who. When it says, if not us, who, we rise up and say, we're a member of the gang of who. We will be those people. We mentor. We deepen our roots to be the generation of change by mentoring. Mentoring is preparing for change. Mentoring is like apprenticeship. A mentor walks with another as an example and uses opportunities to allow the other to practice. Jesus frequently said, follow me. And as people followed him, he mentored them. He walked in front of them as an example. And he allowed them to, to try their hand at, at the mission that he was engaged in so that they could learn through the process. Paul, the apostle in 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I challenge my generation to say to those who are coming behind us, say to them, you be an imitator of me because I'm an imitator of Jesus. You want to know what righteousness looks like? You watch me. Now, you'd better be prepared to walk it if you're going to invite followers. But I think, I think... We can do that, as Paul did. And we can let people know, you know, we, we don't have it all figured out yet, but we're on our way. If you walk with us, we'll learn together some things, and you'll learn some things from me. But we need to mentor the generations that are coming behind us. So those of you who are in my generation, you start looking around for, for younger men and younger women. Families that are in my generation, you start looking around for younger families and you start bringing them alongside of you and you start saying, we're, we're going to, we're going to mentor you. We're going, we're going to show you how a couple solves problems.
We're going to show you how a family manages finances. We're going to show you how a family learns how to grow in Christ together. That's what mentoring is. We also deepen our roots by teaching. Teaching helps to initiate the process. The task of one generation is to teach the next how to live. Teaching is a bit of different than mentoring. Mentoring is living the example. Teaching is giving the instruction. The problem with teaching is, is you can often teach what you don't practice. I've had financial advisors teach me well how to invest, only to discover a little bit later on they went broke. They forgot to practice what they told me to practice. They got greedy. So teaching doesn't necessarily mean that one is, well, we'll just leave it there. Thirdly, we inspect and we inspire. To encourage the next generation, we inspect and we inspire. We inspire by applauding and praising the behavior we want to encourage. We, we, we inspire by applauding and praising the, the trek of righteousness. Sometimes even the failure of an attempt to be righteous should be applauded. Because sometimes in the midst of trying to do what is right, stuff just goes horribly bad. But when, when we know that the motive, when we know that the, that, that, that the intent was to, to strive to be righteous and, and everything blew up, we should stand there not clapping the blow up, but clapping the attempt and encouraging people that, you know, even, even if you fail once, don't, don't stay there. Get back. Come on. Let's, that's the right thing. That's the right attitude. That's the right direction. Let's go. We encourage and we applaud. We inspect by investigating to see if what is expected is what is being done. Now this is risky. Inspection is not always appreciated. Do you always appreciate inspection? I don't. Now let me use a very common example. And please, if you work for ESCOM, I'm not picking on ESCOM. I'm using it as an example because we're all very familiar with it. We see it on the roads all the time. Their vehicles are traveling around, (laughs) plastered on the bumpers and the sides and all over their vehicles is toward power. All day, every day. That's their slogan. They're announcing to all of Malawi, this is the direction we are going. This is what we want to attain. Right? Isn't that what we assume? Now, they don't say power all day, every day to how many. (laughs) But toward power all day. So here's what inspection does. Inspection says... If, if your purpose is to move toward power all day, every day, then the decisions that you make, the way you handle your finances, 
the, the, the way that you do your work, the planning that you do, absolutely everything that you do in your business should be aimed at achieving power all day, every day. I would like to add for everyone. But we're a ways from there yet. Inspection says, okay, what did you do today as an employee for ESCOM? And then you ask the question, did that help to move ESCOM closer to power all day, every day? You, you say to the executives, what did you do today? You go to the accountant and you say, well, what's your budget for 2017? Uh, does that budget move ESCOM toward power all day? Every See, that's what inspection is. City Pentecostal Church, one of the things that City Pentecostal Church uh, holds as, as a core value is excellence. So you, need, you, you say to the pastoral staff, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Does, does what you're doing and the way you're doing it maintain a level of excellence? Does it attain to excellence? Does it look like excellence? What, what about the finances? The finances are, as they're managed, how are they managed at CPC? Are they managed in a way that could be designated excellent? That's what inspection does. Inspection says our purpose as followers of Jesus is to become more like him every day. Inspection says, did what I do today help me to become more like Jesus? Our theme, our, our push for 2017 is deepening our roots. So at the end of every day, we, we pause. I will ask Pastor Francis will ask, the pastoral staff will ask, the, the, the board of elders will ask from time to time here in this setting, are we deepening our roots? Can we say yes, we're deepening our roots? We're, we're doing the things that will deepen our roots. We're making choices. As one generation to the next... And every generation will have a generation following it. I close with this. It's not hard to encourage. It's not hard to applaud. And I encourage you to do that often. But I also encourage you to inspect. It's good to ask one another. When we, when we meet on, on the street, when, when we're together... Just to ask, how are you doing with deepening your roots? And when somebody asks you that, remember, they're, they're, they're trying to help you. Because we all want to see each one of us end 2017 as a mightier disciple of Jesus than we began. Amen? Amen. So, I close with this. Who is one person that you can mentor? What is one way 
that you can teach. What is one way you will use your voice to inspect what ought to be inspected? You see, ESCOM will never change if nobody holds it accountable. CPC will never change if no one holds it accountable. I will never change if I'm not held accountable. Now, God holds me accountable. But we need to hold each other accountable also. Because in so doing, we encourage one another. We strengthen one another. We lift one another up. We help each other grow in the Lord. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and for your care. Help us, Lord, as we commit ourselves to deepening our roots and to being the people of God planted here in Malawi. You've given us this wonderful, amazing opportunity to be oaks of righteousness growing and being fruitful here in this amazing land, a land full of of potential, a land full of opportunity, a land full of amazing people, a, a land filled with resources, a, a land that, that has the, the ability to rise up before the entire world and shine like a diamond displaying the glory of God. But that will only happen as your people choose to make it happen. So Holy Spirit, will you empower us? Will you enable us? Will you equip us? Will you, will you gift us? Will you, will you just walk with us? So that we can be oaks of righteousness for the display of the glory of our Lord and Savior and our Heavenly Father in this land and around the world. In Jesus' name we ask it. 